Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. This is our back to school broadcast and you might be hearing it at any time during the year, but I might surprise you that our topic for a back-to-school broadcast is marriage. In fact, today we're going to talk about the key to Christian marriage, and let me explain why I'm talking about marriage when it comes to thinking about our children. You know, back to school, isn't there something about raising children, discipline of kids, or uh, raising teenagers that we should be talking about? Very interesting. The Barna Organization, this was a few years back, did some research entitled Third Millennium Teens, and it came up with a rather controversial conclusion that they explored all different ways a youth ministry could benefit young people. And, you know, Bible study, learning the faith, serving the poor, doing various type of things. And I would extend their research, which was confined to youth ministry, but I would expand it to even schools and parishes. So what was the best thing that a youth ministry could do for teenagers? What's the best thing that a Catholic school could do for teenagers? What's the best thing that a parish could do for teenagers? This is what they came up with. The best thing they could do was to help parents have a good marriage and not get divorced because married parents had a far greater beneficial impact on teenagers than any other form of youth ministry. And in fact, some evangelical youth ministries have caught on to this. They really see the scope of youth ministry now encompassing family ministry as well. Why couldn't a Catholic school have a marriage workshop for the parents of the kids in the school? Same goes for a parish. Let's keep that importance of helping marriage in mind Do you know it's so encouraging to couples when they hear a message, uh, say in a homily, of a practical application of something uh, regarding their faith, which they treasure, but a practical application of that to their marriage? They like to hear things like this. The same thing goes for Catholic newspapers, practical applications of the faith to strengthening marriages. That's the best thing you can do for teens, for children. You know, sometimes we don't hear often enough those practical tips for keeping marriages strong and avoiding divorce. You know, I was about to give a talk up in the northeastern part of the United States, and I was with a group of leaders before my talk, and they were, they were asking me what I'm going to talk on. And it was just this, strengthening marriages and helping couples prevent getting divorced. And they really questioned that I should be talking this way about marriage. I was kind of shocked. But their point was, is that, well, there's so many divorced folks that they will be harmed if I talk about 
how to build a strong marriage and prevent divorce. And, you know, and I try to always do this in a way as not bring harm or hurt to somebody who's been divorced. But I have personally found out through having done this a number of times all around the country and Canada as well, that divorced Catholics are eager for others who are going through the ups and downs of marriage and going through difficult marital problems. They're eager for them to have anything that will strengthen the marriages and prevent divorce. They don't want to see other couples have to go through what they did. And so here we are today. We're going to be talking about marriage and ways to strengthen marriage. It's great for kids. It's great for teens. and It's great for marriages. So Basically, there's three ways to use what I'm going to be sharing with you in the next two or three weeks. First, it's ways to provide practical assistance to married couples, either in a pre-cana program, and I'm going to be using the term post-cana. Well, what's that? Well, pre-cana in Catholic circles is the marriage preparation period preceding marriage. But as just about everybody knows, at least those who are working in counseling and helping marriages, there's need after you get married as well. So I'm calling it pre-cana, post-cana, marriage workshops, homily, hints, things parishes can do, things Catholic schools can do. So we're going to try to suggest ways to provide practical assistance to couples. Second, if you listen carefully, there are going to be ways that you can help your friends. Every one of us has somebody in our wider family circle, our relatives, our neighbors, just friends in our community who we know they're going through tough times. And if you listen up, there are going to be ways that you can help this, these friends and family members. And then finally, I'm fully aware that there are folks listening right now who are right at the brink of throwing in the towel for their marriages. It's been so difficult. You've tried this and that, and things just kind of haven't worked out. For you particularly, I want you to listen real carefully because the things I'll be sharing are going to be concrete, practical ways to help your marriage, okay? So this is the wider group for parishes, pre-cana, post-cana, a little bit narrower group, friends and family members, and then particularly for you, if you're listening right now and need help. And today I want to focus on something that is so simple, yet it is so central, and yet it is so neglected in trying to help those prepare for marriage or maybe those who are married and for some reason or another, missed the key to Christian marriage. So, not to hold you in suspense any longer, what is the key to Christian marriage? It's this. It's a personal attachment to Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus is the key to Christian marriage. And without a personal attachment to Jesus, you're basically, even though, you know, you say, I go to church, but in your daily life, and particularly this shows in your marriage, you're going it alone because you're distant from Jesus. A personal attachment to Jesus means that you've, you've had a, a faith awakening that you've come close to him, that you're growing in knowledge of him, and that has a direct effect on your marriage. And 
you know, going it alone might work through the times before marriage. It'll work on a honeymoon. It might even work for the first few years. But somewhere, at least in American culture, between five and ten years of marriage, going it alone becomes a very tough road. In fact, um, it used to be 7.2 years is the average where couples just think, no, this road is too tough and they're ready to throw in the towel. These are first marriages. Now, I just read yesterday it might be up to eight years. But if it's 7.2 years, eight years, five years, 10 years, somewhere in there, going along the marriage road without Jesus becomes too tough to bear. And you might say, well, you know, give me a break. Of course we know about Jesus. I know that. Wikipedia knows all about Jesus. My point is that do you have a personal attachment to Jesus? Do you know him? Now, I am going to read you something that I have actually uh, modified. I've gone and taken some words of St. John Paul II, which I have the highest esteem for. These words come from his apostolic exhortation in 1979 entitled, Catechesis in Our Time, and it's from section 19. And if you know anyone who's involved in catechesis, from your your bishop to your parish priest to whoever's in charge of catechesis to the individual teachers, these words are important enough to be inscribed in gold and posted in every office of those preparing to catechize anyone in the Catholic Church, okay? Now, what I am doing is changing the words of St. John Paul II. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not playing fast and loose. I'm not trying to water down what St. John Paul II taught. And and, uh, honestly, I feel he would smile at exactly what I'm trying to do here because I'm taking what he said to catechesis and applying it to pre-cana, post-cana marriage workshops. Do you understand? And this is something that is being ignored so drastically, and I know you've heard me say this portion of catechesis in our time before, several times before, and now I'm going to apply it to marriage. And so when it says catechesis, I'll say pre- and post-cana. Here we go. Pre- and post-cana must allow for the fact that the initial evangelization has not taken place. That means this personal attachment to Christ has not taken place. A certain number of couples come to pre-cana or post-cana in the parish without receiving any other initiation into the faith and are still without any explicit personal attachment to Jesus Christ. They only have the capacity to believe placed within them by baptism and the presence of the Holy Spirit. This means that pre-cana, post-cana marriage workshops must concern itself not only with nourishing and teaching the faith, but also with arousing that faith unceasingly with the help of grace, with opening the heart, with converting, 
with preparing total adherence to Jesus Christ on the part of those who are still on the threshold of faith. This concern will in part decide the tone, the language, and the methods of pre-Cana, post-Cana, and marriage workshops. I've used this illustration before. Maybe it's baseball season, but here it goes again. Imagine a professional game and some guy just knocks a tremendous line drive. He's streaming towards first, rounding to second, coming back to third. He gets the signal and he runs home. And the first base umpire said, you didn't tag first. Does that line drive, great hit, and great great base running mean anything? No. It means zero. There's no effect whatsoever. If you don't hit first base, this personal attachment to Christ, to that converting of the heart, the total adherence to, to Christ, to arousing those seeds of faith placed by uh, baptism, it would be fully possible not only in catechesis to waste your time. You ever wonder how kids can go through, you know, years of Catholic school, maybe even college, and it seems to have no effect? This is a huge reason why. Catechesis has to follow the awakening of the heart, and it's fully possible to waste six months of tremendous efforts on behalf of, behalf of the pre-Cana program if the initial evangelization or personal attachment to Christ has not occurred first. And this is happening over and over and over again. Sherry Waddell, who wrote a book entitled Forming Intentional Disciples. The first half of that book should be read by everyone because she has great statistics. But bottom line, a bishop asked her to inquire amongst the leaders of the various programs and parishes about their personal relationship with Jesus. So she asked this question to leaders, Catholic leaders, and instructing others in the faith. Could you describe your personal relationship with God at this point in your life? And she says so often, all she got back was blank. If a teacher in pre-Cana, post-Cana, or catechesis, or a youth group, doesn't have this personal attachment to Christ, or isn't explicitly making this a central, primary concern within the program, it's going to be of no avail. It's like running all the bases and forgetting to tag first. And she wrote, Sherry Woodell, she said this, quote, we learn that there is a chasm the size of the Grand Canyon between the church's sophisticated theology and the lived experience of the majority of our people. You see, it's a faulty assumption. I can remember in my seminary tra training, I was trained at an evangelical seminary, and I was told repeatedly, don't assume that people know what you're talking about. In other words, people who are Catholics, baptized Catholics, maybe went through sacramental preparation, don't assume things. And it's assumed, well, of course, you know all about Jesus. We got first base covered. Now let's go on to second, third, and run home. And this is how 
pre-cana is taking place or a marriage workshop, the first thing should be, do you have a personal attachment to Jesus Christ? Do you know him? Do you love him? Has your heart become attached to him? If not, that's why we're here. We're going to help you love him because in turn, he's going to help you love your spouse. This is what marriage is all about. But it's a faulty assumption that all that's necessary to form Christian disciples is to require folks who don't have a personal attachment to Christ to simply sit in a classroom while religious and marital information is shared. Presto, they become disciples and strong marriages. It doesn't happen. It simply doesn't happen. And it's way past time for a change. This was 1979 when St. John Paul II wrote his apostolic exhortation. Couldn't it be time we kind of awaken to this? You know, I just came back from vacation, and before I went on vacation, I did a broadcast uh, talking about camps and family camps and about a great conference retreat center that I worked at out in California years ago. Well, it it so happened on vacation, I I went back to that conference center, and uh, I was very happy to see that it wasn't run down after several decades. In fact, it's been upgraded. They had a huge, big fireplace when I was there. Now there's two. Um, It was surrounded by 25 acres of woods, and now there's hiking trails through them. Uh, Upstairs where the fellowship area is, now there's a great coffee bar and places for people to fellowship with one another. They put in a great... uh, beautiful outdoor amphitheater so you can be surrounded by these tall pines a mile up in the uh, in the sierras and hear talks uh, that are inspiring um, now i realize and i get a number of dots and papers that it's really exciting to get a new bell tower or stained glass windows and that's great i have no no objection but you know retreat centers to promote personal encounters with Christ, retreat centers to promote attachment to Christ are even greater. And I can hear, oh, we can't afford something like you're describing. And I must say, it's absolutely beautiful. And you know what? This was financed by one single congregation. Did you hear that? They just have the value of getting people apart in a relaxed, personal uh, setting, and then cultivating in this natural environment a personal relationship with Christ. I'll tell you, Catholics need to take a big hint from places like this conference center and the wonderful outdoor programs like those offered by the Wyoming Catholic College. These are ways and means of faith formation for a personal attachment to Christ, and they're best developed in a natural, relaxed, relational setting, um, and I dare say, putting people behind desks, uh, I mean, you might work miracles. I personally, I've been doing this a while, I personally haven't seen this take place. Um, I would suggest that this would be the prime task of pre-Cana. You know, everything else, put on the back burner. I'm not saying eliminate, put on the back burner, put on the front burner, having this personal attachment to Christ. Because Jesus, literally, Jesus is the key to Christian marriage. Jesus is the key to the Christian life. You know, it's not information. 
okay? It's Jesus, and it's a real relation to Jesus. It's not saying, well, I go to church pretty often. No, it's Jesus is number one living active in my life. And if that's the case, it's going to do wonderful things in a marriage. So what would you do at one of these retreat centers for a pre-Cana program? Well, one of the things I would do is have some couples visit who could share how a personal attachment to Christ made a world of difference in their life and in their marriage. So what is essential for a Catholic marriage? Yeah, there's all kinds of topics to cover. And don't get me wrong, those are valuable topics. But those topics will stick. Those topics will find a root in the life of that couple. Those topics will bear fruit in that newly formed family if Jesus is at the center of the hearts. Now, along with this, I'm going right back to St. John Paul II's catechesis in our time. And basically, I gave you my modification of section 19, and I'm willing to send this out. I honestly believe St. John Paul II would be very happy with taking his truth and just even expanding it into marriage, which he thought so much of. But in section 15 of this, by the way, how do you get that? Just send an email to askthehost.com gmail.com and say, send me your adaptation of John Paul II's catechesis in our time. But in section 15 of that same apostolic exhortation, he says this, the church is bidden to offer catechesis. Now, I'm going to substitute the church is bidden to offer pre-Cana, post-Cana marriage workshops with her best resources in people and energy without sparing effort, toil, or material means in order to organize it better and to train qualified personnel. You see, um, how do I say this diplomatically? The word is out on the street with young people that a lot of pre-Cana programs are a big bore and are not well done. I'm just telling you the facts. Now, you might get mad at me, and I prefer you get mad at me, but change rather than let things go on as they are. You need to ask, say, some recent college graduates and stuff, how's the pre-Cana program in in your part of the woods, you know, and and ask them for an honest answer, okay? What St. John Paul II is saying is, when you do this type of thing, you offer the best resources and it starts with people. Now, remember Sherry Waddell, Waddell went around to Catholic leaders teaching others uh, responsible for the spiritual formation of others, and she asked them, what is your personal relationship with Christ like at this stage of your life? And she got a blank stare back. You see, that's part of the big problem. You to put it crudely, you got to have it if you want to give it. So you want people who have a personal attachment to Christ. That's their first qualification, not how many letters are after their name or how many courses they've taken or how long they've done this, but it's do they have this personal attachment to Christ? And then do they have a good ability to communicate whatever it is in a pre-Cana, post-Cana marriage workshop? I'll just give you a 
example of a marriage talk I gave at a nearby state, and afterwards, two men came up to me because in my talk, I, I urged some kind of parish involvement in helping other couples going through rough times. You know, the first man that came up to me all eager to do something, I dare say, I don't think he was the man. I'm sorry. I just don't think he was the guy. He was very eager to do it. Uh, the second man came up to me. He just said, oh, I could never do this, but I would really like to. He was a retired Marine officer. He'd be great at leading men and women. He was interested in marriage. And I said, you know, you really need to be the guy doing this. So you just don't, you know, it's just not anybody willing or not anybody who has done this forever. You want your best, and then you just don't want junk for Jesus, as St. John Paul II says, without sparing effort, toil, or material means. That means budgets. Put some money into this. Now, if all you did in your pre-Cana program, and I'm not saying this is enough because it isn't enough, uh, but if all you did was develop this personal attachment to Christ, okay, let's say it's in your mountain retreat center or rural retreat center, how do you nurture that? In other words, when you come down from the mountain, when you come home, and then when that couple starts having children and stresses of, of monthly budgets and all this type of thing, how do you nurture that personal relationship with Jesus. What I would suggest is give each person attending, in other words, each man, each woman attending the pre-Cana, post-Cana marriage workshop, at Ignatius New Testament and Psalms. That's in the Revised Standard Version, the Catholic edition. It's a nice, easy-to-read, compact version of the Bible. Don't give them something that weighs six or seven pounds. And then ask them to read that five to seven minutes a day. Pope Francis has said it's necessary to become familiar with the Bible, read it often, reflect upon it, and assimilate it. The Bible contains the Word of God. And then he invited the faithful to carry a pocket-sized gospel with them at all times. And he said, what would happen if we treated the Bible as we did our cell phones and kept them always close to us? Because Psalm 1, the very first psalm in the Psalter says this, Blessed is the man, and I'll include the woman, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit, fruit of love, in its season and its leaf does not wither. Lord, we pray for the marriage of every person listening today. And until next time, this is Steve Wood with Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.